Welcome to the Minor Consult, where I speak with leaders shaping our world in diverse ways. Today we have a special episode. I'm back in my home state of Arkansas to talk with philanthropist and arts patron Alice Walton. She's been instrumental in developing major projects throughout Arkansas, ranging from the world-class Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art to the Northwest Arkansas Regional Airport. Over the years, she supported numerous endeavors promoting the arts, education, health, and economic opportunity for all. She founded the Whole Health Institute in Arkansas three years ago to transform how we deliver health care. And now she's developing the Alice L. Walton School of Medicine, also known as Awesome, which recently broke ground and is slated to accept its first students in 2025. I'm delighted to welcome her to the Minor Consult to discuss her Arkansas roots, lessons from her experiences as an entrepreneur and community leader, as well as from her father, Sam Walton. And of course, I'm excited to discuss with Alice her vision for the new School of Medicine. Alice, welcome. It's great to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dean. We're both uh, native Arkansans, yes. and um, we both have great love for, for our home state. And what, what is it that you love the most about Arkansas? And you've contributed so much to the state, and even though you've lived in other places, You've come back to Arkansas. What brought you back? I've never been confused about where home is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love Arkansas. You know, I have to start with the people. Yeah. People here have their feet on the ground. They, uh, by, by history and background, have had to figure out how to make a living. Uh, and so they're entrepreneurial. They're creative. And uh, I guess the other thing is people here really have a sense of community and support each other. And I think that's a unique characteristic I would call Arkansan. Exactly. Uh, the other thing that I love is our beautiful state. The, the natural uh, setting is just so beautiful here in the Ozarks with all the lakes and wildlife and trees and water. Uh, so my family's been big in the outdoors for a long time, and uh, you, you can't help but be that way if you grow up here. Exactly, and and your family's done so much for for the state, for the country, but in particular in the region now with mountain biking, with crystal bridges, uh, there are just so many things that support a healthy, all-inclusive lifestyle. How how did those ideas come about? And maybe we could focus first on crystal bridges and and your love of art and your desire to bring fine art, American art, uh, to this community? Well, I, when I was growing up, uh, you know, it was a four-hour drive to the closest art museum. And so art was not a part of our lives. I happened to love to do watercolors uh, on our family camping trips, and that was really my only connection. But uh, I, I started thinking when I grew up, I wanted to do something that would, could really make a difference in this part of the world. And uh, my mom always said, give the thing you love the most. And uh, so that was pretty easy. I love art. And I thought, well, that's something that we don't really have in our region and something that could really make a difference. And uh, it's just been a wonderful adventure. Uh, I certainly did not know how to build an art museum or 
uh, had any uh, collecting experience until I just started doing it. So it was uh, it was a great learning experience, and the the joy that uh, that I get from seeing people here having access is just uh, special. And one of the areas of focus for Crystal Bridges has been and is young people. And can you talk about the programs that you have bringing uh, school children from around the state, around the region, uh, to visit Crystal Bridges? And, and also, Crystal Bridges is growing. And maybe you can tell us about the expansion and, and what that'll be doing for the museum. Okay. So Crystal Bridges basically has five centuries of American art, and it is focused on American artists and artists that have made a major impact here. Um, we started with basically painting, sculptures, watercolors, uh, but to me, we couldn't really be a true American museum if we didn't have crafts and Native American. And so we want to we have added those two areas to our collection over the last three years uh, and needed more room to show and tell the full story, uh, including crafts and Native Americans. So uh, the museum is currently 200,000 square feet. We are uh, adding another 100,000. The goal with that expansion is to really allow us to tell the full story of American art, including crafts and Native American materials, and to expand our school education program from uh, reaching approximately 50,000 children a year now to 100,000. 100, uh, a big goal and, and uh, one that I love. But the, the school program is supported by many in our community. And uh, I think it's one of the most important things we do, but we have pre and post learning sessions uh, with all the classes. And then they come spend a half a day at the museum, have lunch, uh, and it's just, uh, it's just been a great experience, I think, for the kids and has changed their lives. It certainly has, and you've, you've written and, and your team has studied the effects of coming to the museum and and how it's expanded the, uh, the, the perspectives of the students at very critical points in their lives. Can you talk some about that and the types of studies you've done and the impact uh, that the educational programs sponsored by the museum has, have had? It's, the impact has been far larger than what I'd ever dreamed or hoped for, really. But uh, when we first opened, um, some researchers came to us that uh, study schools and school numbers uh, statistics nationwide and they said you know there's never been a a major museum open in a place that literally hasn't had one before and so we want to do a big study mm -hmm. we said sure we'd love that so they they took a 12,000 child sample 6,000 children that we could get into the museum in the first uh, six months 6,000 that would have to wait. Uh, and they both received the same study lessons. One, one was in the museum with the paintings. Uh, the other uh, control group uh, read it in their study groups. The difference that the researchers found, they waited three months to assess the children. Mm -hmm. And the difference in empathy uh, historical empathy, the difference in retention, 
um, and the difference in problem solving were all significant in terms of the group that got to learn through art versus those that didn't. That study was then copied in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, so it was used all over the country by educators to try to get art back into the, uh, into the schools. That's yeah. wonderful, yeah. that's wonderful. It's huge impact. Now, in addition to displaying wonderful works of art at Crystal Bridges, the building itself is quite architecturally significant. And you went through a very involved process in working with the architect on the design of the building. Can you talk about the architectural significance of the building and how the building serves its function in building bridges, uh, bridges to the environment, bridges to different uh, phases of art history, um, but I know you put a lot of thought and effort into that, and can you explain it uh, and so how, how it's worked? I'll start with the name, Crystal Bridges. Right. We do get some letters occasionally to Mrs. Crystal Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, Crystal Springs is actually the name that uh, the museum came for. It's a spring right on the property, a beautiful, pure spring that comes just outside the museum doors, really. Um, but uh, Moshe Softy is the architect, and I talked to Moshe. I, what I really wanted was, I knew that most people from our region had not been to museums, and, and in fact, when we opened, it was over 80% of the attendants had never been in a, a museum before. And so I knew that it had to be welcoming and comfortable uh, and, and to create a sense of security more than grandeur. Yes. Uh, and so Moshi and I talked about that at length, visited a lot of different places together. Uh, we knew we wanted it to be a community center, a cultural center, as well as a museum where people would want to hang out. And, and so uh, it was obvious to me that the the best combination to achieve those goals would be to have it set deeply into nature and integrated as a part of nature. So that's literally what he did. And I'm happy to say that people refer to the building as the happy building. Yes, and it is. <laughs> and it, it is, yeah. Uh, but uh, it he, he really just, Moshi's an amazing individual and I, feel so honored to have gotten to work with him, but uh, you know, he, he, he knew how to listen and really worked at, at achieving our goals and hit it over the top. He certainly did, and for those who are listening who haven't visited Crystal Bridges, now's the time to do it. it it's an amazing museum, of course. And, and the new wing will be open when? The uh, new wing will open 2026, right. but it doesn't impact the current That's situation right. at all, fortunately. Right, right. <laughs> Maybe let's talk about growing up. Growing up here in Northwest Arkansas, growing up um, as one of the four children of, of Sam and Helen Walton. And um, what was it like? You were growing up during the time when your dad was building the business. Um, you participated in building the business. Then you yourself trained in finance and, and founded a number of initiatives in finance uh, prior to uh, your work that you just described in Crystal Bridges. But 
tell us about growing up, uh, the daughter of Sam Walton, what you learned from your dad, and how you experienced the growth of what is now uh, this incredible company that uh, arguably has more impact in our country and around the world than any other single company or industry. So what was it like? It was pretty special, I have to say. Growing up in Bentonville, at the time it was a town of 2,000 people, a little yeah. country town, and we were a, a middle-class, middle-American family, yeah. just like most of the folks in, this, in, in our town. Yeah. Um, we walked to school every day. Uh, myself and my brothers went to, to the Bentonville High School. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, you know, Growing up, I was I was a daddy's girl. I have to admit, I was. Um, and uh, Dad would take us with him on his business trips uh, mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. He'd take turns taking each of us. Um, we talked, you know. Mom and Dad talked about the business openly at the family table. So we kind of didn't really realize how much we learned through osmosis, kind of. Yes. Uh, growing up, we all worked at the Five and Dime on the square. Uh, my first job was dusting china horses at the age of five. Okay. You know, and then I <laughs> graduated to wrapping presents for Christmas, but I wasn't very good at that. <laughs> so it was just, you know, it was a great childhood. Uh, and I guess the thing that sticks with me most, Dad would always, you know, we'd ask Dad, I was the youngest of four and the only girl and we'd we'd be out on a camping trip and and uh, say daddy can I do this and his answer was always the same he'd say Alice you can do anything you want to do mm. just think it through first and that has always stuck with me. There were times that I forgot the latter part of that <laughs> and paid. <laughs> but he was always encouraging us to experiment, to adventure, to try new things. We all had our own little businesses. We had the lemonade stands, uh, you know, uh, that, that, that so many children have. But uh, growing up here was really special really special. Indeed. I can say uh, as a native Arkansan and, and growing up as Walmart was starting to expand in our state and uh, my grandparents lived in Russellville and the effect that Walmart had and has and it's been written about a lot but prior to really Walmart and its presence you, you know a, a person in a rural community wanted to order something there might have been a, you know, a small store where they might have one selection of something that wasn't quite what they were thinking about, but but that was it. Or they ordered through the Sears catalog or another catalog, and you maybe got it a couple of weeks later, and maybe it was the size you asked for, or maybe it wasn't, and then if it wasn't, you had to return it, and that was another two weeks. And having the immediate presence of a store that you can walk into, select items, and if you don't like it, bring it back, not have to put it in the mail, uh, was really empowering for communities that never had that empowerment like urban dwellers had for, for decades. And, and I think as I've gotten to know your career, uh, both through art and now what you're doing with the whole Health Institute and the School of Medicine, 
I see that same thread, that same theme to bringing opportunity through, through the art and Crystal Bridges now through Whole Health and the School of Medicine, bringing opportunity to regions that perhaps haven't had the same opportunity that larger urban centers have had. Has that been a prominent theme as you've thought about both your business career? And I know if we go to your finance company, Llama, I think that was the goal was to establish a, a, a finance business here in Northwest Arkansas that would have services that weren't previously available in communities like this. But it seems like that's been a central theme for you in your life, uh, both in finance and in your philanthropy. You know, my dad, uh cared so deeply about uh, rural people in particular, all people, but uh, he was a people person. But uh, he cared about the fact that, uh, you know, people's quality of life was really reduced by the lack of access that they had to things and the, and the cost uh, without much competition. And so he was really driven by that his whole life, was how do you, how can we give people a better quality of life by giving them access mm -hmm. to things they haven't had access to before at, at a value that they haven't had before. And I never really thought about the connection to dad's motivations and my own, but I guess it's there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, to me, it's been all, Everything I've done has been about access, access for people to art that didn't have it, uh, access to financial expertise that didn't exist in the region, uh, and, and access to capital that wasn't in the region. Uh, in the, you know, in my investment banking time. Uh, and now access to great health care. Uh, so it, it's it's the one consistent thing is is creating access where there hasn't been traditionally yes. access to good things. That's such a such a laudable and impactful goal, and and you are having such impact. Maybe if we focus first on the whole health institute, then on the school of medicine. But you have a, a longstanding interest in health and well-being, and. Can you talk about the concept and the philosophy of the whole health institute and how that is carrying over now to the to the school of medicine? So I had a, an accident back in the '80s uh, that kind of defined my life for a decade, and uh, through my own healthcare experiences, my own health experiences, uh, a lot of time in the hospital, many surgeries, you know, I really got to know the system on a firsthand basis. And uh, it wasn't very supportive to, to my needs to, to get well and to get healthy. Um, so, so with that background, I mean, what, what we're really trying to do is, is create a, um, to, to develop a different training for doctors and to really focus on, when we say whole health, that's that social, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual health uh, is what is included in, in whole health. And so often, uh, I think many people know the numbers, but over 90% of all disease is caused, uh, you know, as a result of our own behaviors. And so we really need to equip docs in a way to 
help their patients address uh, the environmental, the social, the emotional needs that they have. Uh, so, so we started the whole Health Institute. The, the other piece uh, that's so important in that is that the reimbursement in healthcare doesn't incentivize preventative health, yes. doesn't incentivize whole health. Basically, if you do things to keep people healthy, you don't get paid the way the system works today. Right. And so one of the key aspects of changing healthcare is changing the incentives, financial incentives in the system. Yes. Uh, from you get rewarded if somebody gets sick and you fix them to you get rewarded for keeping them healthy. Yes. We call that value-based payment and that's one of the critical pieces of, of our efforts. I've really been inspired by, by your vision. I have the privilege of working with you as the board chair for the Alice Walton School of Medicine, and it's been so exciting to see the people you've attracted here, including our, our uh, founding dean, uh, Dr. Sharmela Mahija, um, uh, Walter Harris, the chief operating officer, people who share your passion and your vision. And I know that, that uh, now as we move into starting the school, hoping to enroll the class in 2025. Can you talk about how the school fits into this vision and, and some of the unique attributes of this region of Northwest Arkansas with the three large employers and the opportunity to make this vision of whole health and value-based care a reality here and how the school fits into that vision and that opportunity? Well, it's really exciting. So. Uh, I think that the self-insured employers, we have uh, numerous actually self-insured employers with significant plans, uh, but I think that they hold a critical lever in the ability to, to um, change the financial incentives in the system from fee-based to value-based. Um, we are working with the regional employers in uh, in a journey to go that direction. Um, and, uh, you know, the, that, that's part of the whole Health Institute's work. Um, the med school, the students will be trained differently. Um, uh, we hope it is a four-year MD granting uh, degree uh, with the traditional uh, scientific uh, basis and clinical basis. Uh, but we really want students to focus on whole health and, and understanding the impacts of environmental, social, emotional uh, and uh, factors in, in a person's well-being. So. That's what makes it so exciting. And, and I should also mention that you and your colleagues are following all the steps of accreditation, both uh, from the state uh, for a degree awarding institution and from the Liaison Committee on Medical Education. And um, I think given the dedicated people and the expertise that they have, that, that that's going to proceed as it should. And, and I've, I've appreciated how attentive you and Walter and others have been to those processes as, as you build this from scratch, which is what makes it so exciting. There are very few endeavors in medical education or healthcare delivery that actually are formed from whole cloth. Most of them are refashioned from existing institutions and 
And that's always a bit complicated, but this really is being formed uh, based upon the principles that you've described. There's gonna be a beautiful medical school home building, uh, which is going to be on the campus of the Crystal Bridges Museum. Can you describe uh, the building for us and oh, groundbreaking? I'm so excited, yeah. Uh, we just had our groundbreaking. Uh, the, uh, the building is, gonna, is done by a great Arkansas architect, Stanley Wilcox. It will have a green roof. You can literally walk up to the top of the building. It's a four-story building. Uh, from the forest at Crystal Bridges, the sculpture forest. Uh, so the, the students will be integrated into the campus that also holds Crystal Bridges, the Art Bridges Foundation, uh, and the Whole Health Institute. I, haven't, I didn't mention, but one of the things that really brought me through my own health crisis is I use my watercolors as kind of my armor Every time I'd have to go into the, into the hospital for a surgery, that's what I took. And uh, I painted where I'd rather be versus where I was. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> so it was my own form of uh, behavior and, and, and dealing with, with uh, keeping a positive attitude, being focused on something positive versus something negative. And... Uh, Ever since then, I've, I've been really intrigued by uh, the potential of art, music, uh, and, and its potential and its impact on healing. Yes. Uh, I think there's beginning to be a lot more research in that area. And uh, so I hope by having the med school uh, as an integrated piece of the Crystal Bridges campus that that interaction and that uh, focus on art and healing and its interaction and positive characteristics can really be part of what makes us special. I, I think it certainly will be, and another emphasis, uh, very much coming from your philosophy, is that the school is going to focus from the very beginning on the health and well-being of the physicians of the future. In other words, self-care and, and health of those who are students will be a prominent feature in the curriculum uh, and, and indeed in the, in the admissions process. And I, I love your story about how art has played such an important role for you in, in your life and the challenges you faced in your life. And for me, it's been music that yeah. has played an important role. And I think it's important for each of us to have, you know, something that, that's, that's grounding that, uh, that we can always go to and we can look back on. I'm sure that you see paintings. In fact, we were just talking at dinner the other night about and maybe if you would describe, you, you recently made an acquisition of a, of a wonderful painting that I believe you've known about for years and loved for years, but can you describe that and, and the excitement sure. around it? Oh, wow. So uh, Edward Hopper is one of my favorite artists, great American artist from the first half of the century. And uh, I was visiting some uh, collectors in D.C. probably 15 years ago and they had above their fireplace this incredible painting. And I just fell in love with it. Uh, it's called Sun in an Empty Room. And uh, I have hoped that some way or another it could become a part of our collection. 
ever since, yeah. uh, you know. And uh, we, we all have to have our wish lists. And Absolutely. Our dreams, right? Absolutely. And so That's what keeps going in life. I was yeah. recently yeah. informed that it was available and we were able to, to, to purchase it. So, Congratulations. Uh, so really, really exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it is a wonderful work of art. And I think you mentioned you're going to get to know it first, but then yeah. others will and get it, to share it, in the it joy will go as to well. New, yes, yes. Sometimes I love to just make that personal collect, connection, but uh, it will go to Crystal Bridges and, and be shared with Art Bridges as well, around exactly. the, to museums around the country. Exactly, maybe because we haven't talked in detail about Art Bridges, but, but can you describe that for us? I, I know our listeners will be interested and it has brought art to communities around the country and um, can you talk about how you set it up and what it's doing today? Right. So I started Crystal Bridges because we didn't have any access here. And uh, as I learned more about the museum world, what I, what I learned was that well over 90% of all paintings and artworks are in storage. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so the older, bigger museums typically have, you know, incredibly large collections, but mo 98% of it's in storage. And uh, there are so many communities around the country, not just the way Bentonville used to be, but uh, that around the country that just people don't have access to art. Mm. And uh, so we started the Art Bridges Foundation. Crystal Bridges actually started, raised it up internally before it became its own uh, foundation. Uh, but it was the Crystal Bridges people that, that got it going. And our goal is to get art out of storage uh, at the big collections and share it around the country with all the smaller art galleries, uh, university museums. Uh, and uh, it's, we started that in 2017. And we now have about 250 partners and it's just amazing. I mean, we have uh, the Walker Evans collection from MoMA, from the Museum of Modern Art in New York, going to Amarillo, Texas, and yeah, to, yeah. Uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and, and uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. That's great. We have uh, the uh, Boston Fine Arts Museum working with uh, eight different smaller museums in New England. Uh, so things have, uh, the, the industry is starting to break down and people are working together more to make sure that everybody has access and to share it. And I'm, I'm proud of our team and the, and the role they've played in helping make that happen. And it's all about bu building bridges, isn't it? It's about bri building bridges. I, you know, I just love bridges. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a couple of questions I'd like to ask each of our guests. And, and one is... What do you think are the most important qualities in a leader today? You think a lot about leadership. You hire leaders who are working with you in your various organizations. You yourself are an outstanding leader. What are the most important traits that you see for leaders today? You know, I think first and foremost, empathy yep. uh, for other people and the ability to listen to truly listen, um, that goes a long way. It certainly and, does. And that would be the first two things I look for. I think um, that 
you know, respect for other people, meeting them where they are, uh, are such important um, characteristics in a leader. Um, so it's not, it's not, to me, it's not the things that I think a lot of people think of, but it's those, it's that ability to interact and to, 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 to listen. Yes. And to help people know that they've been heard yeah. and that they've been taken seriously. I think that's very meaningful advice for, for all of us and, and for the world today, for sure. And then what makes you hopeful for the future? You're an optimistic, hopeful person, but what, what are the key ingredients to staying hopeful? Oh, I think we, each of us wakes up every day, and I, I catch myself sometimes. You know, we have a choice of how, how we want to look at the day. Has, is there, you know, does it start off wrong and you just want to keep that mindset, or do you want to flip the switch and, and uh, uh, change the scenery? Yeah. And uh, I think that each of us has the ability to live in a positive space and to see positive things. That doesn't mean you don't analyze things, that you don't, you know, look for the problems you have to solve. Sure. You, you have to do all of that, but you can do it from a positive space. Exactly. And I think really understanding um, how to stay in that positive state, space is part of what a great leader he is. Well, as I can say, having had the privilege over the past year to get to know you and spend time with you, you so well exemplify those qualities of empathy and of being a great listener, of respecting everyone who has the privilege of working with you. And your optimism is infectious. All of us, uh, all of us uh, sense it and share it. And, and so thank you for all that you're doing. Um, and we will maybe keep our, our listeners in touch because I think what what's going on at Awesome is going to be awesome. Thank you, Lloyd. This has been such an honor, and we are so appreciative to have you as our board chair. It's a privilege. Uh, and I'm so excited about us getting to work together and do this uh, for our state and our region. Thank you, Alice. All right. And thank you for listening to The Minor Consult with me, Stanford School of Medicine, Dean Lloyd Minor. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion with philanthropist Alice Walton. Please send your questions by email to theminorconsult at theminorconsult.com and check out our website, theminorconsult.com, for updates, episodes, and more. To get the latest episodes of The Minor Consult, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate the podcast five stars. Your feedback helps make this podcast happen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to our next episode. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and be kind. Mm -hmm.